Well, this Shabbat we read in the Parsha about a project. The effort of creating new possibility for Am Yisrael is the project of the holy. And it's in this Parsha, Shemini, that for the first time, the priests without Moses' help used their newly created tabernacle. And in the midst of the Parsha, Shemini, by the way, means oil, and we're taught that the, the, prophet, the priests put oil on their bodies as part of their work and their preparation. The Torah tells us, in the midst of this Parsha, of a horrific accident. The tabernacle and the Mishkan, which were the spiritual center of the people at the time, they were the forerunner of the temple in Yerushalayim and ultimately of every Jewish sanctuary in any part of the world, Bimas like ours in the synagogue here in San Francisco. And our ancestors' worship in that first center wasn't just prayerful, but along with music and chanting and teaching, there was the sacrifice of animals to be consumed as an offering, cooked over a large communal, really industrial grill with the open flames flying like a huge barbecue and the priests stoking the fires and preparing the food upon them. Food that would ultimately be shared with the people in celebration, not like your Shabbat table, with uh, challah and wine and whatever protein you might be using. Tonight we're having tofu in our house, hopefully chicken in yours. You see, we need to understand that in the ancient temple, fire was a part of the ritual. And in a sense, it was an industrial kitchen up there on the bima. We know how dangerous those can be. So Shemini describes a tragic loss as the priests begin to make use of that holy sanctuary and in front of everyone an accident happens and two of Aaron's sons are immolated while making an offering in clearly a mistaken way. The community is stunned. Aaron in his grief is speechless. We hear of the burial of the sons and the mourning that follows, but then the text tells us that despite this disaster, despite calamity, the project of holiness is not abandoned. The priests learn to adjust their behavior. They learn how to work in a more safe and sane way. They recover the work of the holy. Now, I'm the first to admit that if I were the author of the Torah, it would be my inclination to pass over the mistakes of our people, to not tell the tales of small mindfulness, of ingratitude, of tragedy. But the Torah is better than that. It doesn't shy away from having us remember the bad so we can learn from the past and build a better future, which is our task. In reading Shmini this week, perhaps our tradition is sharing with us an essential life lesson. In life, in the pursuit of the holy, in pursuit of something that's meaningful, in pursuit of justice, there are going to be disappointments. But we can learn from our missteps, from our mistakes, even from our tragedies. And then we can continue the pursuit for change. It's our ongoing engagement in life that helps us to build. 
that better future. The lesson from the Torah this week, it helps me to understand better the determination of our partners in Eretz Israel, in the land of Israel, in the reform movement, who keep working for change there, for the embrace of religious pluralism, even though their efforts have been stymied so many times. The project of building up the modern Jewish state, they understand it's a holy endeavor. And though there will be mistakes and disappointments along the way, we persevere in trying to correct them as we determine our future as a people. When you are disappointed while building up something holy, the challenge is not to throw up one's hands, not to give up on the project of Zionism, not to let others make the nurturing of Jewish nationalism seem like an aberration, but to stay committed to this work of contemporary miraculousness, building a better Jewish future, because we too never lose our sense of tikva, of hope. In just a few days, I think on Wednesday, on the 14th, we'll be celebrating in the community Yom Ma'ut, and it'll be part of our Shabbat observance Friday night. It'll be Israel's 73rd Independence Day. It's most probable by then that after the fourth election in two years, a new government will not yet have been formed. In their somewhat, dare I say, Byzantine system, the Israelis have put together a requirement for coalition governments. It's a 120-seat parliament, and you have to have 61 seats, and even Ben-Gurion at his most popular never got at one party, his own party, uh, rule and have 61 seats. And so their system depends upon compromise and engaging smaller parties. And for the last 73 years, some of the people we love the most in this country are Israeli friends like Ben-Gurion, Golda Meir, Shimon Peres, Menachem Begin, have always compromised the embrace of Jewish pluralism by forming governments with religious parties who demand complete control over Israeli religious life. Imagine what it would be like in America if one religion had complete control. The result has been legal limits on non-Orthodox Jewry, something no democracy should allow. And it's denied the average Israeli an embrace of a Judaism that would be meaningful to them, while causing us to feel second class. But despite our peak and our disappointment, we should remember the state of Israel is young. She needs our engagement. Though we may feel frustrated as reform or conservative or reconstructionist or renewal Jews by not having full recognition, we will not give up on her. We understand, as did our ancestors, that this is a holy project and a work in progress. As non-Orthodox Zionists, we can remain deeply involved trying to help that precious place truly be and Or Lagoyin, a light unto the nations. And because of this continued engagement, there are signs of progress. There has been change. And in this last election, something really extraordinary happened. A reform rabbi, Gilad Kariv, who'd been the executive director of the reform movement, was invited to stand as a Knesset candidate 
by the Labour Party, by, by Ben-Gurion's old party. And he was given the fourth slot and they won seven seats. So just this last week, he was sworn in as a Haver Knesset, as a member of Knesset for the very first time. And now Israelis throughout the political spectrum in that Knesset will have to engage with this reform rabbi. And in a sense, it's another step towards recognition. And it's a step of repair on the part of the Labour Party. It is something to celebrate and see how when we continue to engage, we continue to, we continue to move forward. You know, the Haftorah, this Shabbat, written in the time of King David, it echoes Shmini, it's what the Haftorahs are supposed to do. And it tells of David hesitating to bring the Ark of the Covenant up to Jerusalem because yet another accident had happened around a holy thing. But when he realizes it's safe to bring it up, David doesn't just pull the Ark up to Jerusalem with his staff. He dances in front of the Ark with joy as he leads it into his capital. I love that image of the king of Israel expressing such hope and joy in front of this object of holiness. It was the right thing to do. So on Yom Atzma'ut, Israeli Independence Day, let us celebrate, let us rejoice. Am Yisrael Chai, the people Israel and the state of Israel live, and let us remember it's a holy project an ongoing project of the Jewish people. And it's still pretty new. So despite the challenges and the disappointments, it's something we are so proud of and so blessed in our lifetimes to be a part of. So may we continue moving the arc of hope forward, bringing repair, bringing blessing as one Jewish people. Happy Yom Atzmaud, everyone. Shabbat Shalom. Celebrate with us next Friday.